I have no ability to interpret, so I just gave him a copy of my sermon. <laughs> That's the best I could do. So yes, this was a uh, this was a uh, all hands on deck moment, and uh, and uh, they say that uh, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, we're missing Tony, and <laughs> so am I. James, James, he said it, I think it was 4.30. He goes, hey, funny story. Ha, 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 ha. sick, Tony's sick. I've got the morning sermon, and you either get the 9 a.m. class or the 6 p.m. sermon. Here am I, send me. So, had a few thoughts I wanted to give you, and, and uh, I'd consider starting by asking the question specifically how many here or online, anywhere, ever wanted things done when they wanted it? I'm not going to ask the question because every last one of us has done that. I think it's fair to say we, for the most part, are an impatient bunch. It's in our nature. We want what we want when we want it. We have our timetable of when we expect or want things, and anything that doesn't fit within our timetable, it's a frustration or aggravation. However, the one timetable that we forget or that we overlook is God's. If you actually thought about it, how how arrogant are we that we put what we want over what God's already known? It's his timetable. If you think about things, get put into perspective real fast. You know, not that this ever happens, but when the car in front of you is pacing the car next to it, and you're in a hurry to get somewhere, and you are frustrated, and you obviously need to be somewhere really important because you're... Name it. But we couldn't get around them, and so we get stopped at the light, and that's when we see the police cruiser that's sitting in the other lane over there, where you would have been smoking through on the red light, or smoking through, period, and he'd have... He'd have wanted to talk to you. Or the person texting the truck blazes through the intersection that wasn't paying attention to you, and you would have met there at the same time had you been in front of that car. See, bad things happen in life, and sadly, it really feels like bad things compound on each other. You know, you you lose your wallet, and it's the same day or you lose your wallet on the same day that you also ran out of gas on the highway. Couldn't even pay for it if you wanted to. I find that we, are, we feel entitled that what's happening to us at that moment, it's the most important thing on God's mind. We get focused on us and have no idea about the three-year-old that was just diagnosed with leukemia and won't make it to his fourth birthday. I bet you he and his family would love to have their biggest concern be canceling a credit card and calling AAA. Sometimes we hope and pray that we get the job we applied for. It would be our dream job. 
But we also don't account for the fact of the family of five that has one breadwinner and a newborn baby just got laid off due to the economy and inflation. And they just hope and pray they can keep their apartment and feed themselves. James 1, 2 through 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing of your faith develops perseverance. That one's always been a bit hard for me to swallow. I have never said to myself, I plan to go get wild and crazy with joy this Friday, having trials put upon me. Joy is not the definition what I'm thinking when I get a flat tire or any other issue. But see if you can relate this. I find that it's exactly the same as if we go to the gym or if we run a .5K. You all can run your 5Ks, half marathons, marathons. Please, I'm going to do a .5K and consider myself good. I digress. When we run that race or even do a workout at home or at the gym, the race or the workout is the trial. Both end with some pain and some discomfort. It's worked you over. You've used muscles. You've exerted energy. You've, you've, you've endured. But after, we're stronger, having endured the trial. Our strength for the next trial is our perseverance. Fellas, look to your brides. You're looking into the eyes of someone with lots of perseverance. You deserved absolutely nothing, and she definitely didn't deserve you and me. But her trial, you, is where she has earned her perseverance. If you're not married, your bride just hasn't done anything bad enough to deserve you, but give her time. This is a psychologically proven, and I'm hoping most of you have heard this, but if you're ever in the market for a house or a vehicle or whatever, in this instance, my example is a vehicle, and you are interested looking for a four-door hatchback, do you know what you see all the time when you're out driving around? You see four-door hatchbacks. They're everywhere you turn. Now, while you and I may not be in the market for pain and suffering... When we don't look for that or even allow it to exist, no amount of good can offset it. If you're focused on pain and suffering, that's all you're going to find. What happens with pain and suffering, as sad as this is, pain and suffering becomes your idol. You covet it because you're looking for it. And when you do that, you put it before God. There's a little list you might have heard, ten of them, that God doesn't like that. What do, I've honestly considered this more than once, but what do you think would have happened if Jesus, the man, channeled all of his humanity and only focused on the bad? These are just a few highlights. You can probably name ten times more of them, but a few highlights that I thought of. Right away, at the very beginning of his life, several Little baby boys were put to death trying to make sure they were able to kill Jesus. 
his parents, knowing who he was, reprimanded him for teaching in the temple. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. His own cousin was killed spreading the word that he wanted out there for us to live. All the people he saved from sickness and certain death, he healed, and more often not, they left, never to return to him. His brothers that he went everywhere with and did everything with, they scattered like their hair was on fire when he was arrested. One who didn't run away as fast as the rest got so mad at a little girl who accused him of being friends with him that he swore he did not know that man. One of his brothers who betrayed him, not only betrayed him, he took money to do so and had the gall to be with everyone who went to arrest him and gave him a kiss to distinguish him as the man they wanted to arrest. This one has always gotten me. The chosen people of God, the Jews, were the ones behind his arrest and the sham trial and were so hateful towards him that when Pilate said, it was in Matthew twenty-seven twenty-five, when Pilate said Christ was innocent and any wrongdoing and anything they want done to him will be on their heads. Could have just said, Okay, nope. Their reply, let his blood not only be on us, but also on our children. He obviously didn't dwell on the bad. He went looking for the good and focused his attention on the good, which was God's timetable. (laughs) You know who looked to the good for 33 years knowing that no matter what, what would happen to Jesus was going to end one way and one way only and even knew the future and still held on to the good. Mary, his mom. She knew right off the bat she was a virgin and ended up pregnant. As the scriptures foretold, The angel probably helped, gave her a little insight, but she knew who her child was. She knew her baby boy would ultimately die a horrible death to not only save her, but all mankind. She looked to the good and God's timetable and was okay with it since it was God's. However, knowing that story, knowing all about it, many still are not okay with God's timetable. I want what I want when I want it, and how I want it. It's not as if we don't want to be okay with that timetable. If we could figure out if his timetable is based on something like Zulu time plus a few hours or even Greenwich Mean Time, that would make it something we as humans can wrap our little heads around 
so much better and make things so much easier. But that's not how it works. We lose focus on God's plan when we think it should be another way that fits us better. This is the, this is the perfect story in the Bible to explain this for me. It just, it, it had on my, my amazing wife clued me in on it real quick and I was like, that is perfect what I'm trying to do. So I, 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 I marry, I marry well. In John 11, we have the story of Lazarus. Mary and Martha's brother was sick. Okay? Word was sent and Jesus learned that he was sick. And the Bible states in John eleven six, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he packed right up and ran the entire way so he was there in 20 minutes. No. He hung out where he was for two more days. He told his disciples after the two days, let's go back to Judea. And they said, why would you want to do that when they've already tried to kill you once? And he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I'm going to go be there to wake him up. (laughs) I love these guys, I do. In verse 12, they said, "Uh, if he's asleep, he's just going to get better. The Bible doesn't say it. I have to believe it. it, there's there's a lot of the nose pinching, and the head just and, and the Jesus and Jesus side should have been in there, but he goes. He says in verse fourteen. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. The, the scriptures, the only thing they've missed at that point was, bless your heart, fellas. But, then, it gets better, because he then goes to Martha and Mary, after the two days, he goes back. And Martha comes out upset at Jesus. I cannot fathom the idea of me being upset at the Son of God. I, it's, it's just, fair enough, he was there, they knew him. It's just it's not something I can comprehend. But he come out. she came out upset that he took so long to get there. Had he hurried or come sooner, he'd have been able to save him. He told her he will rise again. And she, woman, explains to Jesus, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at that day. The scriptures might as well have just said, bless your heart. Out of the two of us, who walked with angels and walks on water? I'm the Christ. I got this handled. Relax. She was at a loss for her, loss of her brother. I get that. You're talking to Jesus who you know can do anything. He fulfilled what needed to be done and he raised Lazarus from the dead. But Martha and Mary's timetable was Martha and Mary's. Not God's. Had Martha and Mary's timetable been used... I'm getting ahead of myself, excuse me. With God's timetable in place, John 11:45, the Bible says, when he finally raised him from the dead, therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary to console her over her loss of her brother saw what Jesus did and they put their faith in him. 
Had Mary and Martha's timetable been used, Lazarus would have just been sick, been laid up for a few days, healed, and the ones visiting Mary after Lazarus died would not have seen his power or followed him. As humans, we get in the driver's seat thinking we have better skills than God himself. God's timetable he put in place. He set the dominoes in motion and let it be what it is. He knows it. He's omniscient. There's nothing he's not aware of. He's seen it when it happens then. He saw it when it happened then. He sees what's happening now. However, it's his, it's his plan in motion. It's what he started and let it be what it'll be. He may know what's going to happen. And he even has the ability. He's God to, to intervene as he so chooses. But it's his plan. He does not, cannot plan for people to die and go to hell. James 1, 13 through 15 when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when, by his or her own evil desire, is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. It would be evil to plan for someone to go to hell. God isn't evil and can't do evil he allows our free will and we choose to either follow him and his plan timeline or we follow ours and everything that entails without him ultimately that's death from sin while we don't understand what the plan is we have no assurance when our part ends The earth isn't going to last forever, and neither are we. One day we'll meet him face to face, and all will bow down at that time. God's timetable is not easily understood. The big picture is very difficult to see, and sometimes even harder to accept. And when we have a crisis, it's even harder to accept. This may age a few people. How many are familiar with the board, the game, the board game Perfection? Square box has a one to two minute timer. You push it down, it has a bunch of different shapes. You've got to put them all in there real fast within the two minutes. And if you don't get to there in time, the whole thing pops. If your pieces are all in and you have time left, that's great. No worry, and you're safe. However, if they aren't, it pops and the progress you've made was destroyed and you lose. Life here on earth is quite similar. Except there's only one piece that matters and that needs to be in place. There's a timer running down is our hope and prayer here at our church and the church that I'll have that piece in place. The piece that says, I've chosen Christ and I am a follower. I've put him on through baptism, and I'm doing my absolute best to live the life he planned for me.
He was a great example. Told us, showed us how to do it. Following to be a Christian, in all honesty, it's not that hard to be good. But the devil has so many enticing things out there. Things we just want to happen, things we want to do. Get out of the driver's seat. People say life is a game, and it's not. Life is life. I don't like to have a win or lose, but sadly in this life, there are two choices, to win or to lose. You win eternity with God, or you lose in hell. God said it. This is the way. Follow me. That peace that we need for the game, that you are a Christ follower, it's a tough decision. Everybody would want to go to heaven, I understand, but with what the world offers and what Christ wants us to do, sometimes those don't go hand in hand. Most times it doesn't go hand in hand. But he said, I, I understand that. What you think will happen in this world is one thing. You live that life, reap your rewards here. You follow what I want, you'll reap your rewards with me in heaven, which is so much better. If anyone does need prayers or wants that peace in place that says, I'm a Christ follower and wants to put Christ on in baptism so that we're safe when the timer does run out and we're collected to go home, please come forward now as we stand and sing.